Una canción para ti y para mí. something special that we're excited to announce with you guys um i suppose particularly for those living within the uh the gta or toronto area we uh we finally stuck to our word we're actually going to host this this event in a park that we said we were going to uh, and this one's going to be called the first annual high top flip-flop potluck in the park so this is going to take place on Saturday, September 1st at Christie Pitts Park in Toronto. Um, it will be at a one large kind of picnic table down there, which we can share more information about likely on Instagram. Um, yeah, the whole idea is for it to just kind of be a, a, an afternoon or an evening kind of spent appreciating the people who've joined us on the show, um, friends of the show, all of the guests who have come on and and you know, had a good laugh with us or a good conversation with us. Uh, and we thought it would be neat to kind of make it a potluck. Um, one, because we don't have a budget. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Trust me. And two, because uh, it's kind of fun that way to have a bunch of people different, bring different food, you know, maybe cater to different dietary restrictions as well. And uh, yeah, it plays into our end goal uh, which is to build community, build real community, um, and have people share the same physical space and um, grow and kind of connect in that sense. So for this potluck to take place, uh, we'll certainly you know need uh, a fair bit of assistance from from our friends or from the the people who are down to come out and hang out with us. So if you one are able to reach uh, Saturday, September first at Christie Pitts Park. Um, we will be there from noon until 6 p.m. If you're able to join us and you would like to bring some food, um, let us know. Please direct message Nivek or I through our Instagrams. Um, you can find me at Krish, not Chris. So that's K-R-I-S-H-N-O-T-C-H-R-I-S. Or uh, Nivek Coco Butter, at Nivek Coco Butter. That's N-I-V-A-K-E. C-O-C-O-A-B-U-T-T-E-R. So you can message either of us there. Um, and if you don't use Instagram, you're more than welcome to email us at podcast at gmail.com. 
high top flip flops podcast at gmail.com. Um, we will likely add all this in the description as well for you to uh, to read if that makes it a little bit easier. And yeah, we're really excited about this. And hey, I know what you're wondering. How much is the meet and greet package going to be? <laughs> it will be $150. This will include one picture, <laughs> so make a count, and one kiss anywhere on your body. Oh, so oh, we give them the kiss. We give them the kiss. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so bring your cash, bring your food, bring your cash. <laughs> uh we will be accept no e-transfers, cash only. Whoa. So we know we're not we're not doing any. Oh, can I get the pick now and the kiss now and then I'll e-transfer you tomorrow? Nope. No IOU. Cash, baby. cash right at that moment. The big's um, trying to kiss you right now. So, yeah, please pull up and uh, you know you'll be surprised. <laughs> Let us love you. You know. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, you know, we just wanted to make it a super cozy day in the park. Um, you know, we want you to bring your blankets, bring your badminton sets, bring your bring your soccer balls. There's even like a basketball court in Christie Fitz Park. You know, bring a basketball, pull up with your, your gang. Um, yes, if you have shisha and you want to bring your shisha, by all means, bring it. It's a free world. We want you to be cozy. Um, and we want to just appreciate you guys for banging with us and not reporting us because um, we're just very surprised that that still hasn't happened yet. So shout out to everyone. Saturday, September 1st, Christie Pitts Park, 12 to 6 p.m. Pollock in the park. We're going to make this happen. Very DIY. We want to do this as often as we can. And uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. So hope you can join us. All right, man. Talk to me. Talk to me about what's, what's good with you right now. Well, you know... Something that just came to mind, I went to the beach on Saturday, and a friend of the podcast, of Ethan, came, came in Jordans, and he came in Jordans in the sand, and we're all wondering, oh man, who, whose ankles are you trying to break real quick at the <laughs> beach? Like, all of us are in flip-flops or bare feet, and he was ready to ball out. Dang. Um, I was kind of afraid, because, damn, how are you... Uh, how are you this prepared for what you're about to face? And he's like, no, this these are my beach shoes. Whoa. These are what I wear to the beach. Ethan. And, um... Dirty dog. I was kind of impressed by this young man. Uh, also, I was wondering, wow, like... He told me he'd been in the studio, like, the night before to 5 a.m. Because <laughs> is was actually like, in the studio. Don't play around. Whoa, he came straight from the stew. <laughs> here to the beach so think about what a thoughtful guy that is to wear his beach shoes to the studio so that when he pulled up to the beach it wasn't an issue yeah he no issues ankle break in the sand no issues whatsoever um and he told me he made nothing they made one song and they deleted it and they drank in the studio uh so poor use of the studio because you know every artist they go to the studio Make some classics, then they leave immediately. No fun happens. Straight work. I know because uh, been to a couple studios, <laughs> recorded a. Co- I mean, I was in the studio last December. We, uh, you were also there. Oh when yeah. We recorded our hit single. Let them know what that song Christmas is real in, quick. Christmas in Scarborough. Yeah, the hit single. Still on SoundCloud. Still on SoundCloud. Still uh, everywhere. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, we were reading, we were doing overtime in the studio all 40 minutes. Yeah, like, you know, when I listen to these, art, like, I was listening to Thug's project, you yeah, know, yeah. and I'm just like, damn, like, oh, I just saw that he did a remix of Rocket Man by Elton John. Oh, and Elton John has shown him love in the past. Of He's course. like, yeah, I respect this man. And I'm just like, damn, I'm trying to catch that vibe, mm. you know, in the studio. I, I, I'm waiting to see, you know, an artist get on that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to provide that inspiration to, to other artists, you know? Yeah, like Savithan. Uh, like Savithan. <laughs> like, no problem. Yeah. Our like, guest on this episode. Like our guest on this episode. No um, kidding. And you know what? Life isn't all all fun and games. Mm. <laughs> you know, we think it's a game sometimes. Shout out TIG, think it's a game, the record label. Right. <laughs> but... You know, something bad happened to you. You went through something this past weekend. Oh, man. Yeah. Segway. Um, you know, it was bad and then it was good. It was dramatic all around. Not traumatic, dramatic. Uh, I got my bike stolen. <coughs> and yeah, that like really sucked. It's uh, yeah, it's a bike that I spent a fair bit of money on. And uh, it happened after going to watch a movie with uh, Nivekin Mersha, so that kind of sucked. Uh, but yeah, I like I caught the bus to meet up with these guys, and I always bike down to this one particular bus stop, and always lock my bike up to this one particular bus, or particular bike lock. And admittedly, I have <clears throat> a kind of like dingier bike, if you will, um, that I usually take out when I'm like locking it up or like leaving it somewhere overnight um, maybe because it's just less collateral and maybe less emotional attachment um, but one I was running late to get this bus to see these guys and the tires were also flat on this this secondary bike of mine so I was like you know what it's okay I'll take out my my regular bike my main bike and I'll lock it up like I always do I've done this a million times with this particular bike and uh, you know naively as I always have, I suppose, I uh, just kind of put my faith, faith in the, the world around me that my bike was going to get stolen. Long story short, catch the bus, come back after watching this movie, and boom, it's gone. Uh, my lock is snipped. Thankfully, I was with Nivek and Marisha still, so they were able to give me a ride home. But um, yeah, the next two days were, yeah, a bit exhausting, kind of involved posting a bunch on Instagram, posting a bunch on Facebook, um, which, you know, very graciously, um, a bounty of people were willing to share or kind of spread the word. Um, yeah, which is very humbling experience, very kind of overwhelming experience to think of how many people were, were willing to kind of keep me in mind in that sense. And yeah, I kind of did my due diligence. I filed a police report. I went around to a bunch of local bike shops in the Durham region and, uh, you know, gave them all, uh, all this kind of necessary information. And then Saturday came around and I was like, okay, you know, like I'm going to chill out on the Kijiji searches. I'm going to chill out um, on, you know, doing more outreach, just like give myself this day. And around like 5, 5 p.m., 5.30 p.m., I get a call from uh, a friend of the show. He's actually been on the show before, Brandon Hope. Um, and Brandon just kind of calls me. Uh, and he says, yo, uh, my cousin who's in Pickering right now is like pretty certain he saw, uh, 
pretty sure he saw someone with your bike. Um, at this point, my like, heart starts racing. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to stay calm. And, you know, he gives me all the details. He tells me the intersection, whatever. So he's like, you know, what are you doing right now? Do you have a car? Like, do you have someone with you that, like, you can go check out the scene? So I'm like, yeah, my brother's home. Let's see if we can run this. So I immediately, like, run. I was in the basement, and I immediately run upstairs. My brother and his friend are chilling in their room. And I just kind of like walk in, I'm like, hey guys, sorry to interrupt. Do you have a moment? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was being so polite in the moment, but either way, I was like, hey, do you guys have a moment? Um, a friend of mine is like giving me a big lead. He thinks that like he's, they've seen someone with my bike. Can you guys pull up with me? Um, so they just like immediately shot up out of bed. Um, and then we start like driving out there. So we start driving out to this location. I'm like white knuckled with my hands on this wheel, I'm just like, holy shit, this feels like very surreal. I've never, never experienced this before. Uh, we passed the intersection that we were told to kind of like keep our eyes peeled. And then, you know, we slow down maybe like 15, 20 kilometers. And we're just like head going left and right, left and right, left and right. Just looking at like, man, we probably saw like eight people on their bikes. And it was just like yeah. quadruple take. And it, uh, paranoia was like very high. Uh, and then eventually we, we start passing this highway off ramp. And uh, we see like a tall white dude, like bald, uh, and he's like panhandling at this like one off ramp, which people generally have been panhandling. Um, and there was like a city of Pickering kind of like construction truck or like a pickup truck pulled up around the same side, same like patch of grass that uh, this this lad was panhandling at, uh, and leaning up against this truck is my bike. Uh, there's like some kind of like bag like wrapped to like the handlebars and something like attached to the seat. Um, but I'm so certain that this is my bike. Um, and at this point, like we're all in the car just like, yo, shit, yo, shit, yo, shit, that's the bike. Yeah. Um, so we like drive like another 200, 300 meters and pull into this like Petro Canada. Um, and like the whole time we were kind of joking like, yo, like we should just pull up on him and like take the bike back. Um, but I guess something, unfortunately, that we were all very hesitant about is, like, one, we're in Pickering, and two, we're, like, three people of color, two, like, 20-something-year-old brown dudes and one black dude. Yeah, and that is something, because I would have been like, yeah, just run up on them, take the bike, and go, but you got to you gotta remember who you are. You know? Yeah, exactly. And realistically, you know, if someone or, like, if police got involved against us, I could just be like, hey, this is the receipt. This is what I'm doing. Um, this is my bike reclaiming my bike but um yeah likely at a hesitation also because like <laughs> i don't have the juice like that like i'm not just pulling up on people taking my shit back uh even though you know i would like to one day we decided to instead just call the police um we didn't dial 911 because we're like yeah it's not a it's not an emergency as much as i would like my bike back mm. <laughs> she called Durham regional police and um kind of go through this whole process of like telling them that i filed this report and here's all this information and we're like we see him and like he's here right now uh and the officer on the other end is like you know we'll dispatch like a car like a unit as soon as we can and we're like all right cool this thing's about to be over bing bang boom uh that was not the case. About 40 minutes passes, mm. and we don't get a call back from the police, and we're kind of, like, within viewing distance. Um, but my brother's friend decided to walk up, like, a bit closer just to see what was going on, and uh, he eventually kind of, like, comes jogging back, just being like, yo, he 
he's not there anymore. Mm. So we're just like, damn, damn, damn. Uh, so we hop in the car again. We go back the like same way we came, but we make a, a left turn just to see if he might have gone in that direction. We like zoom for like 600 meters. We're like, no, he's not there. So we turn back around and go in the direction we came. And I see my man. Okay, most people, when they're walking a bike, they hold it by the handlebars because that's how you can kind of steer the bike. This lad is holding it by like the seat post and he's just kind of like dra- like r- dragging it up against like uh. a big metal fence. So I'm just thinking, man, I'm like, damn, that's my, that's mm. my bike. <laughs> um, but either way, we like pull into this parking lot and I think this is where we kind of... Uh, come to learn that um, <clears throat> our perpetrator is like not, is someone who was maybe not in like the clearest of, of head spaces um, or maybe not kind of like fully coherent or conscious. Um, we kind of, we saw him doing these like abstract kind of dances. Um, <laughs> we saw him like yelling like profanity, okay. or just like yelling kind of like onto the street. Um, <laughs> abstract dances. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I truly. I <laughs> he mean, was gone. Yeah, he was faded, he and was, he didn't know what to do. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was fa- he could have been faded. You know, he might have had some kind of uh, mental distortion. Yeah, it's hard to hard to say. You know, um, but I think this is maybe where we were really set in not engaging, um, just because we're like we don't know what kind of reaction this could set off. Um, we saw him like talking to like a few other people and like was like very animated with his hands very energetic so yeah we were a bit more uh, concerned i guess at this point anyway so he moves locations and we're just like we're watching him from a distance another 20 minutes passes by no cops no calls and then this guy hops on the bike and starts riding it like further down in the direction that we had originally come so we're like shit so we we pull up or we follow him again and then we pull up into the next parking lot which happened to have a popeyes in it so we call the police again to like update them. Um, but it turns out that it was like a different communications officer. So I had to re-explain everything to them, like give them my like name, my date of birth, this like whole story. Um, and then this is like one, like I was like a bit exhausted. I mean, I, I wasn't like rude to them or impatient with them in any way. Um, but there was a point where this officer on the other end says to me, they're like, okay, so you see them? And we're like, yes, we were right across the street from them. We see them and they're like, what are they doing right now? We're like, they're just standing there. They're like doing some strange gestures with their hands. Um, And then the officer says to me, so what would you like us to do? And in my head, I'm just thinking like, I want you to help me get my bike back, you fucking idiots. (laughs) Um, Because I keep being told by you bums to like not engage. So I'm like, I'm complying. Um, but I thought the whole point of you telling me not to engage is because you're going to help me deal with this. But either way, I like very politely was just like, we would like some assistance retrieving this bike back. Yeah, because police are dumb. (laughs) They're very dumb people. Um, Yo, if you're listening, guys, I appreciate it, but come on, you know, let's... I'm not calling about a stolen bike just to tell you how my fucking day is going. Hey, my bike got stolen. I just want to let you know. Just want to let you know. Uh, I don't know if you're busy right now or something, but, you know. Anyways, <laughs> so we update them on our location, and then this guy moves again. So we're like, oh, fuck. So he moves back to the, 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 the first location that he moved to, up against this fence. So we're sitting there, and then we get a call from the cops being like, hey, uh, so we actually now have, like, a couple cruisers in 
the Popeye's Plaza. Like, do you see them? And I was like, ah, sorry, we had to move again because he moved. And yeah, it like, on the other end, they were like making it sound like I really made a big deal out of it. Uh, and yeah, I did kind of feel guilty a bit, but I was also like, I feel like I did the right thing in terms of like following him and like keeping an eye on him because like, if I just like let him move on, like I don't know where he was going to go. Right. Um, so I would rather annoy the shit out of you and keep you updated than just kind of like sit idle and be like, Oh, you went that way. Uh, cause like in this case, very case, I can be like, yes, this is my bike. This is my bike, whatever. Um, so eventually this cop car pulls up, this guy's like super cheesed, just like very short with us. And we're like, all right, whatever. Um, we like point out this guy in the parking lot being like, okay, this is the, this is the guy, this is our bike. This is my bike. Police officer goes up to him and just kind of like chats with him for like five minutes. We it's inaudible. It's like too far away for us to know what they were saying, but eventually, uh, the officer just kind of puts two hands on the bike and like walks it back over to us. And this officer just like. So is this your bike? And in my head, I'm like, yo, like, I wonder if he knows the protocol here. But essentially, every bike has a serial number branded in the bottom. And so long as you have the receipt for your bike, um, the receipt will have that serial number and you can prove it. So he's just kind of looking at me like, is this your bike? And I'm like, oh, yes, uh, I have the serial number. I can, like, prove to you. Um, but, like, the guy, like, did not care whatsoever. Like, he was not paying attention when I was reading the, like, branding to the point where, like, I just read the number off my phone and, like, pointed to all the numbers being like, yep, that's it. In his head, he was thinking, oh, I wasted my time. I could be following some brown or black kids on the street right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, truly, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, he was just, like, very cold about it. Uh, and, like, I stuck in my hand to shake his hand, and, like, <sighs> he didn't. And I was like, all right, cool. Thank you. Um... I don't know what you you were what else you were doing, but uh, thank you for doing your job and help me do this. Um, turn that frown upside down, Buttercup. <laughs> uh, but either way, that was a saga. Um, two and a half days. Um, yeah, what's like really important for me to acknowledge is that uh, this wouldn't have happened had Brandon or had other people not shared that post um like this was brandon's cousin who i've never met before um who i like later called and kind of like explained and thanked him for for even just like you know keeping an eye up uh yeah very humbling experience to think of uh yeah to reflect on the people who are willing to to kind of help me in that situation so um if you're listening and you know you were someone who shared that, I very much appreciate it. You know, maybe you didn't have the capacity to share, but you know, you shared some positive thoughts or positive energy. Very, very, very appreciative. Um, so just happy to have my goddamn bike back and that thing mm. is in my basement. It's not seen the light of day for at least like another couple of weeks. Uh, well, I also prepared to get a much better lock system, which will probably involve a couple of locks. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of. I mean, the power of social media. So that's that's yeah, great. The positive, the positive side, most certainly. And sometimes, you know, law enforcement isn't the strongest, <laughs> or isn't strong at all. And uh, unfortunately, it causes people to take actions into their own hands, which may or may not work. Mm -hmm. In this case, you know, who knows how it went down? It could have easily worked. Yeah. Um, he could have just, uh, 
saw you take the bike and done some more abstract dance moves. He could have, yeah, exactly. Or he could have uh, pulled something out of his pocket. We don't yeah, know. That's right. That's so, right. Um, I mean, he did have a tool to be able to yeah, I take guess off the so. lock, so that's he's not completely out of his mind. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Um, some people conspire that like someone else stole it and like gave it to him, or like who knows? Who really knows? Um, because the cop did just let him walk free. He just took the bike from him, and that's it. There were no no arresting, nothing like that. Um, and, you know, all things considered, I wasn't trying to see anyone get, like, incarcerated or, like, press charges on them for taking my bike. Just wanted my shit back. Um, yeah, I, I think something I said before is that, like, a little part of me was, like, a little afraid of what the repercussions of... What the repercussions would have been if the person who stole my bike was a, a person of color. Um, you know, like... Who really knows? Who really knows? And it's kind of a scary thing and maybe not something I want to dwell too much on. But um, yeah, I think especially in that case, you know, I certainly would not have cared to see someone kind of be persecuted, you know? But anyways, we got it back. Shout out to all of you guys. Shout out to all the floppers. Shout out to all the people who uh, are just kind, you know? Hopefully we can do the same unto you over the course of time. Yeah, um, I would just like to announce that my wraith recently was um, <laughs> stolen from me. Oh, your what, sorry? My wraith. Oh, yeah? How long have you had that for now? Uh, not too long, like a couple of years. Similar situation to you. I have, I have like a car that I drive, like a Toyota Matrix that I drive on a consistent basis. And I keep the wraith tucked, oh. bring it out during certain occasions. Oh, okay, okay. Like when I'm going to GTA Square right? or the Cineplex or something mm. like that. And um, Millican, Millican Park. Milgram Park. Somebody uh, brutally stole it <laughs> from next to my. I parked it next to my driveway. It's gone. Cops, do your thing. <laughs> Social media, get them. That's right. Uh, is this a Rolls Royce? Is that what that is? It is. Yeah, you want to give us some more details? You know, as, okay, so some more details. <laughs> it has stars. In the interior, so you look up at the uh, the roof, and there are stars. Yeah, you were gifted this by DJ Khaled, right? Uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was a tricky time in my life where I was down and out, and I was gifted this uh, this car for no reason. And you know what? I honestly thank God every day for it. <laughs> Pray to God. Um, I prayed so hard, like, please, please, give me this wraith. Give me this wraith. And um, I don't want to be debt free. I don't want to have a job. I just want a wraith. Well, I still have a lot of them. I'm still heavily in debt, but I have I had the wraith, you know. So that's right. Um, please, please, uh, come, come, give him. I miss my whip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please help. Please help. Please like and share and repost and send your thoughts and prayers to Navek for us. <laughs> All right. On this episode, we got to sit down with uh, our new pal Vishnu. AKA No Problem, um, who is a music producer, uh, but is also a lawyer, <laughs> which is pretty cool, <laughs> and something that we only learned uh, about as we recorded the show, which was pretty funny. Uh, but we got to know Vishnu, or at least his music, um, through some of the work that he's done with uh, former guest on the show, Janssen, um, as well as a lot of other uh, local um, Tamil and non-Tamil um, R&B and hip-hop artist, which is really cool. And it was really great to talk to him, not only about, you know, his history of music, but um, how he became a lawyer, because that shit's not easy. Um, and it was really good to also 
you know, candidly speak about uh, his bouts and his battles and his history with depression as well. That was, I think, really important to, to have, um, not only as men, but as like Tamil men or, or men that come from a, a marginalized or a minority ethnic group, um, because so often the case is that uh, it is like a neglected issue or it's an ignored issue or it's something that's suppressed and not spoken about, stigmatized. So uh, it was really important that we could kind of have that conversation with him um, and, you know, hopefully kind of open the door for, for more conversations of the, of the sort. So this one was really fun. Um, we talked about a whole whack of stuff, but um, yeah, hope you enjoy. This is episode 51 with Vishnu, a.k.a. No Problem. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of High Top Flip Flops. As always, it is I, Krish, a.k.a. Chris, a.k.a. Not Chris, a.k.a. The Thumbel Hemingway, a.k.a. Bash Me Outside because I don't fight, I just get beat up, a.k.a. Little Poopy Dirt, a.k.a. Dr. Do Too Little, and as always, I'm here with Navake. Hey, it's Navake, a.k.a. Navape, a.k.a. Mr. Rumpster Girl, Say Hello Then Run Away, a.k.a. Two Cock Shapur, a.k.a. Little Couch, and we got a, a great guest here today. Today we have with us our good pal Vishnu, a.k.a. No Problem, who's joining us today to chat about a whole whack of things, uh, namely his... Uh, the music that he's produced and some of the people that he's worked with, uh, a little bit about his uh, very kind of unique and interesting career path, uh, and a whole lot of other stuff that we're going to get into. But thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Uh, how is uh, <laughs> how is today being? Maybe our first question of where you got that name from is uh, is probably already answered for us. But uh, yeah, man, talk talk to us uh, talk to us about what a what a day in the life of Vishnu is like. Um, so well, on the weekdays, you just wake up at. 6.30, <laughs> brush your teeth, get ready for work, yeah. uh, get to work by like 9.30, just work till 5.30, get home, Yep. and then that's when I go to the gym if I can, and, yeah. then, and then I just try to make music, well, I used to try to make music, kind of took a break now, but right. that's, that's that's how it goes most of the days. For sure. Yeah. And for, uh, I guess for people listening here by early morning or by night, Vishnu's out here trying today. He's a lawyer. Uh, this is our is this our first lawyer on the show? First lawyer. Round of applause for that. Yeah, round of applause. We'll edit that in. We'll edit uh, the round of applause. So anything illegal that we've talked about on the show, it's all a joke, obviously. Just let you know. <laughs> and also, please DM Vishnu for all your legal needs. <laughs> if you have a, a weed charge, hit him up. He probably knows about that, even though... Let them know what you practice. <laughs> uh, well, I practice corporate and securities law. Corporate and securities. And securities. Yeah. Uh, when he first told me that, I thought he said corporate insecurities. <laughs> I was like, dang, yeah. what kind of corporate insecurities yeah, are I we try doing? To ways, I try to stay away from criminals and yeah, yeah. those kind of things. I know they don't pay up, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, difficult. Uh, diff- yeah, tough, tough. Tough place to work, but I imagine you get that a lot, eh? Just from people being like, "Yo, so uh, you know, I ran this red light, and I'm trying to beat this ticket." Yeah, yeah, no. I get a lot of people asking about like traffic charges, criminal <laughs> charges, and I'm, I'm tell them I don't really practice that area, and they still ask anyway. So that's my life. Tell them to go to OTT Legal, right? Yeah, that's well, what you. That's what you have to do. Direct them to Wikipedia. I have a question. This is a a scenario. <laughs> Let's say if I hit someone with my car, yeah. and then I have a an asthma attack, a real asthma attack. Quote, unquote, and asthma the attack. the person comes up to me and sees me coughing. And and then I say, I got to go to the hospital. Yeah. And I flee the scene. Yeah. What is the percentage that 
I will uh, get caught and catch a charge. I can't tell you percentages, <laughs> but I can tell you this much. Um, if you had an asthma attack, how did you drive away? That's probably something that they're going to ask. This is true. What if I'm <laughs> super skilled? If you are, then I don't know. Then what, how did you end up hitting that person? <laughs> you know, how do we do a lot of things? I know. You know I how guess, do we, I don't know. We don't, we don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Got him. <laughs> put some reverb on Got him. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hundred percent a scenario that Nivek has never experienced before, never. ever. Yeah, never yeah, been yeah. that one. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, obviously that that was. Uh, I, we can only imagine that to have been a, a really kind of strenuous path to to find yourself where you are today. You know, is that something that you ever kind of look back on and think, you know, wow, this was. This is really hard in the grand scheme of things. Was it something that kind of flew by? Your kind of your 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 path to to kind of working as a lawyer. Oh, um, yeah. It was it wasn't a direct path. Like I never really wanted to be a lawyer Word. to begin with. Uh, I was in high school. I was like really good at the sci- in sciences, mm. and you, if you're brown, that means you're gonna become a doctor. Right, of course. Determined. Uh, and my parents wanted me to, so right. I took human bio and all that stuff in uh, university. Mm-hmm. Halfway, I realized I don't like touching people, and I don't like, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't like si- I don't really like sciences that much. So right. I switched into policy, thinking maybe I'll be a politician. Right, right, right. I didn't like that either. So I graduated, and my parents were like, "So are you gonna apply to me- med school? Are you gonna write your MCAT?" Right. And so I wrote it. I didn't tell them I didn't want to go to med school. Right. And then somewhere along the line, I like I grew a pair, and I was like, "Fuck this!" Mm. And I I decided to write the LSAT because like, I was really into music. Mm. I've always been into music, and I was. Thinking to myself, if I had to be a professional, I don't want to give up something I'm passionate about because I'm pretty sure, you know, if you're into medicine, you're gonna have to devote a lot of time to that stuff. Right. So I, I just uh, I figured the laws and everything, mm. right, in every industry of life. So I decided to, I'll just write the LSAT and let's see how that goes. And uh, I think I signed up uh, for the LSAT a few weeks before I was supposed to write it. Right. Studied for a few weeks before and I wrote it. <laughs> And then I did. A, I think I did a good job because I got in. So. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, people are pissed because mad people take it like three times. Yeah, I know, all three I know. Yeah, that's right. Wow. <laughs> I tell that's them. Major. I tell them. It's, it's not about how smart you are. It's about you know strategizing and finding ways. Yeah, to beat and the I, 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 I try. Yeah, I try to help them out, but you know, not everyone's good at doing that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. They're not destined for that mm. stuff. Damn. But yeah, I didn't did not want to be a doctor, so I tried to find my trying to find an alternative where I can just keep them happy, but at the same time. Uh, not be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and of course, here we are. Uh, and what, uh, I mean, how do you feel about it now, kind of being knee-deep in, uh, in I, like, the law yeah, world? I actually I actually like it um, for two reasons. Uh, one is the money. Right. <laughs> uh, the other is, like, it's it's interesting. Like, uh, a lot of, there, there are a lot of businesses, a lot of corporate situa- um, scenarios and things that I have to deal with that I enjoy. But I also, the security side is much harder. Right. Security is, for people who don't know, it's like capital raising where you sell an interest in a company or a partnership. So, like, stocks and stuff like right. that. And, well, the government is very protective of that area because they don't want people getting scammed. They don't want somebody saying, you know, I'll, I'll sell you this and I'll triple your investment, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's very complicated. There's a lot of rules with that. And at first, I didn't like it because the, the rule book's like this big. Right. And somehow, like after a couple of years, I got used to it. Wow. I enjoy it. Wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. And what, uh, and on a, like a day-to-day, you know, how, um, 
How stressful do you think the work is? Or just how stressful is like a, a, a day for you? Normally, like in the summer, it's not supposed to be stressful because everyone is taking a break. Everyone's <laughs> on vacation. For some reason this year, everyone decided we we're going to stay home in Toronto Damn. and fuck up my life. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. But uh, usually it's not. But in the, like, near the uh, year end, and for some companies, their year ends are in March and stuff like that, it gets very stressful because they all want to get all their stuff done right. before the tax season's over because they want to get as much of a tax break. Of course. They so they, of course. they do a lot of other things. So it's just crazy stressful then uh, your days like my days i'm pretty flexible because i practice on my own and i work alongside another lawyer he's kind of my mentor right. but i so I, my hours are flexible i can come in when i want to leave when i want but i end up taking if i do leave early i end up taking work home right i don't really have a choice I gotta get the work done so. yeah of course yeah, on a day-to-day, uh, how much money do you make? It's <laughs> <laughs> what everybody wants. You know. I, yeah. I, I don't, don't want to get robbed. I'm from Scarborough. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, oh great segue. Yeah. We have a king that's coming right. from yes. the great Albert Campbell Collegiate Institute. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you know you know certain graduates such as uh, Cindy from that hockey team. <laughs> Oh yeah, Paul Bernardo. <laughs> oh shit, the Paul Bernardo. He went to UTSC. Didn't he go? Did he go to Albert Campbell as well? Oh, Yo, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't go to Albert Campbell, but he did go to U of T. Yeah, he did. Oh, Paul, Bern- Paul Bernardo went to I Albert he Campbell. Went to UTSC because I remember his picture was like somebody stabbed it in the, on the graduation pictures, <laughs> the class of whatever. Damn, that's rude. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he graduated. <laughs> no, it's messed up. We can't make jokes about Paul Bernardo. Holy shit! Yeah, I did not know he went to Albert Campbell. <laughs> No, no, we keep it. We just 100% uncensored here. Who else? Who else went to our damn school? <laughs> Jesus um, Christ! That's a lot of people still. Yeah, yeah. and now you. Yeah, yes. So, adding to this long list. The long. Can I tell you something amazing. else? Please. I was also valedictorian. Oh, boom! Oh, there you go. Yeah. Was Paul Bernardo valedictorian? Probably not. Probably not. That's Fuck right. him. Was that Cindy girl valedictorian? Yeah, probably, probably not. not. <laughs> <laughs> Did she do? Win a gold medal? Yeah, she won a Actually, gold medal. Actually, she did. The but highest, <laughs> highest level of hockey. Like, who cares? It's, like, easy yeah. to play hockey. Yeah, it's super Stem easy. Stick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. wow. What was your speech like? Like, <laughs> I think I think it was good. I, I remember I had this opening joke uh, making fun of the TDSB because oh, uh, they're spending, but it did, nobody nobody clapped. Oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, so on to the next Ooh. one. Like, the teachers didn't like it. And I, knew they didn't, I know they didn't like it, and the kids didn't understand it. So I was like, damn. Damn, over there. That's all right. Rip yeah. the first page. Yeah. On to the next That's what <laughs> Then you just get into the cliche stuff and you're, yeah, you're fine like, from you there. Yeah, you guys are all going to pursue your dreams yeah. and be happy, but it's not true. No. <laughs> Wait, so was it when you graduated, was it based on just grades? No. Um, it's based it's like on a popularity. Vote, right? Yeah, it's a vote thing. Oh, so you're actually popular. <laughs> yeah, I was like the smart, cool kid. There you go. <laughs> nah, nah, I don't want to say cool kid, but I was pretty popular amongst everybody, uh, all groups. That's good. Wow. Yeah. And it helped because I was running against five Asian kids. Right. So the Asian vote got split. And so I got oh, the brown shit. vote. And the black vote and the white vote. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Or some <laughs> Straight nerd politics, one. man. Yo, it's politics. Wow. There's no grades there. Nobody cares about grades. Honestly, yeah. I guess like if you're a really bad kid and you end up <laughs> with somehow winning, then maybe the teacher might veto it. Oh, shit. But... <laughs> That's what happened to me. Really? Oh, yeah. I was supposed to... Who was it, Mr. English? He's known to veto everyone. Yo, all right. <laughs> wow. First off, Mr. English. Actually, do you have any beef against Mr. English? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> okay. You're good. You're in the clear. Um, there were some trash teachers there, though. Yeah, yeah, we know yeah. We know all those trash-ass teachers. 
also uh, a nerd one our year, Ken. Some now he's a physicist or whatever. <laughs> Jeez. Wait, was it based on grades in your in your graduating class? No, uh, it was actually voting. People actually voted for the right person, which is strange. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I was supposed to I win and ruin it. Right yeah, I think they voted for yeah, the right person oh. as well. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. Like I wasn't I, I wasn't that good of a kid. Like I remember um, when I was had when I had computer sciences, we figured out how to connect all the computers so it could be Counter Strike, oh, and then we invited people from other classes to come over and play oh. during our class, and then the teacher would yell and we'd be like, "Hey, you be quiet." Wow. We're play oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you started that huh? we didn't start that some Asian kids from the year before started and they showed us how to do it <laughs> so then we like we started it started up again and that's been happening through us as oh, well yeah? all the way to 2012 generation wow. through generations <laughs> traditions yeah. strike. wow that's that's what computer science stands for yeah exactly <laughs> computer science stands for counter, counter strike, strike. <laughs> counter strike not no computer science oh my gosh um, <laughs> let's talk about your, uh, your experience with Scarborough. Obviously, uh, you know, Navek is, is really proud about, uh, growing up around McCown and Finch. That's his, his yeah. block. Uh, we yeah. want to know what your block is or was and, uh, what your description of Scarborough, what your Scarborough experience okay. has been like. Um, yeah, so I live at Middlefield and Steels. Okay. Do you want us to bleep that out or are you, are you okay with that? I don't care. <laughs> Drop it on him. Pull up on his block. Time to relocate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I live on Middlefield and Steel on the Scarborough side near Millican Park. Okay. Uh, Great park, by the way. I've yeah, been I've been shown this park a couple yeah. times. Real late at night by Navek, but yeah, it's, real, it's, it's beautiful nice, park. especially during the fireworks. <laughs> That's right. I never go, but yeah. I heard it's nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my experience at Scarborough, well, I lived downtown first, okay. and I moved here when I was uh, 13, 14. Okay. So, um, Scarborough, compared to where I lived initially, it was, it was soft. <laughs> right. right. Uh, until my first day of high school, and someone got stabbed in the head, and I was like, oh, Holy shit. Yeah. Jesus, wow. Yeah, with the machete. And a machete? Yeah. yeah, so, Jesus I was Christ. like, I guess I'm home. Oh <laughs> so, God. actually, yeah, you went during, like, the really harsh times, yeah, where yeah, people yeah. are just getting slashed up, like, yeah, every week. Yeah, and I, there were, like, people coming from other schools where they get suspended for gang stuff, they come to our school. Damn. Uh, just to study, I mean to learn. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my experience with Scarborough it was pretty good. I like I didn't like moving to Scarborough at first. I guess no kid does when you know from. <laughs> from <laughs> no, no, I meant like from wherever you are, right? You oh, don't like sir, <laughs> yeah. sir. Please don't do this. No, no, no. I meant like from wherever right, you are, right, right. And you of don't course. like moving a lot. Transitions, so, yeah. Yeah, nobody likes that. But uh, so I didn't think much of Scarborough uh, until I started. Like I don't know uh, until I. Like maybe somewhere mid high school, mm -hmm. when I actually got like real friends that like I was like, oh shit, these guys are legit. The homies, yeah, 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 yeah they're my homies. Um, um, in terms of violence and stuff like that, I didn't really yeah, experience too for much. For sure, that's I good. Really that's good. Obviously, went home right after school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hit the books. Trust <laughs> uh, me. I, I, I like please. the laid back nature of Scarborough. Yeah, it's, there's not too much to do, and that's good. Sometimes hmm. you don't have to always be running around doing things. Like especially right. when I because I work downtown and everyone's always running somewhere. Right. I don't really understand it, but mm. I, I like uh, the laid back uh, right. feeling because I walk. I like I take my time getting to work. I walk. I take the long way to work yeah. if I have to. Yeah. And I see everyone running, and I just don't get it. So I just I, I love the laid back nature of Scarborough. For sure, for sure. Um, I don't like that we have to drive around everywhere yeah, to get to anywhere. Is distant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the bus, the TTC system isn't that bad as oh, as Ajax. Ajax oh, is like big. ass. Yeah, like, Durham, Durham is Durham terrible. I don't know. I really take bad. the middle field bus, and that that bus comes every twenty one minutes. <laughs> <and> fuck, <laughs> it's pretty bad, and that's the only bus that goes that way. So. Shit, 
yeah. You just have yeah. another bus and they decide you guys don't need that bus. Wow. <laughs> just one bus is enough. Fair enough. <laughs> have you ever taken the 129 bus? Yeah, yeah. That's a frequent one. <laughs> it every is. Every minutes, every four minutes. Mm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> bus talk. Bus talk, Real baby. <laughs> bus it, baby. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, take, the, take the bus. Just because the 129... Um, like I, there's the 129 and the 199. They're both heading similar directions. Yeah. Well. Wait, doesn't 199 oh, no. go to Don Mills or something? So I mean 39. 30 and Finch. The one, the Finch. Yeah, 39 and the 199. Yeah. But the 199 stops at like uh, I think it's Don Mills. Something like that. I, I don't remember, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. No, it's, no, it goes to Finch Station. Well, it's the speed. <laughs> it's the speed one. It just yeah, yeah. Skips speed. It goes to every of the major stops. To him. Yeah. Just because I've noticed the difference between those two buses, the 199 is like luxury where, like, uh, I remember I was offered, like, a cupcake, whereas the <laughs> 139, someone grabbed poutine out of my hands oh, and ate it with their fingers. The 39 or the 129? 39. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> Doesn't that go through Melbourne? Uh, no, it does. Oh, oh wait, no, no it does the other, the other direction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Fuck. up, no <laughs> yeah. big up, uh, Vern Block. Vern shout, Block. Out, shout out Shanika. <laughs> yeah, shout out Shanika. Shout out Vin. Oh, shout out Vern Block. <laughs> shout out Justin, Justin Bayo. All, all of our friends are from Vern Block. Um, so okay, so you you painted a picture of, of when you moved to Toronto. So you were or moved to Scarborough. Pardon me. So you were like you said you were twelve, thirteen when you moved to Scarborough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, and when you were uh, living uh, like in the city, or even when when you were even younger, is that when uh, music kind of became a part of your life like uh something that we always find ourselves asking um a lot of other thumbnail guests is like you know were you forced into or did you willingly pick up like a, a carnatic art of some kind oh no 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 i i i can't play any instruments other than the recorder okay fair <laughs> enough fair yeah. enough so. uh even with the keyboard i'll play like two notes at a time yeah 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 it works for me so it's whatever so when did yeah when did music kind of enter your your, I think your, your it's always been there. Like um, my mom, she she went to some Christian school in Sri Lanka, and they played these these uh, these songs by somebody called Bonnie M and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she'd play those CDs at home, and she'd be singing to it. And then I'd learn the lyrics of them. And right. I, I don't know why I know it, but uh, and then my dad, he'd buy you know he you know that um, that subscription service with Columbia where you can like you know order five CDs and sure. something like that from like way back. They don't do that anymore. Right. And I think they had something with movies, the same thing. Okay. And so he'd order a bunch of CDs, and then there'd always be music at home. Wow. And so I, I started listening a long time ago. Right. And then uh, I think I first hit, heard hip-hop. Uh, I think they had Kiss 92.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, before what it is today. Uh, right. They played a lot of hip-hop there. Right. And so that's where I first heard hip-hop music. I think it must have been like four, not four or five. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you, is there like one song that you think of? When you think of like your first experience with hip hop, that got you in the in the lab, you oh, know? Uh, <laughs> no, in the lab, no, no. Uh, <laughs> just generally speaking, like just into hip hop, I think uh, some of those two, like some of the Tupac songs, right? You know, Me Against the World, right? Uh, Dear Mama, mm -hmm. Ambitions as a Writer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those ones really got me. Hail Mary, like I just liked the because he he had this presence in his voice that made yeah. you want to do something. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Very Martin Luther Kingish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how I got into hip hop. Uh, oh, Jay Z's album. I have the like the original vinyl of the wow. you know, the one that was released in nineteen ninety six. Holy shit! Yeah. Um. So his music as well. Like I just love 
how smooth and silky his yeah, yeah, yeah. vocals, but the lyrics are over anything. Of course, it's of course. So over amazing. anything, yeah, truly. And that's that that was just me listening to music. Uh, I never thought about making beats until I, I, was, I was in high school, like until I was 16-ish. Um, I had a friend, and he was rapping at the time, and he made beats as well, and he rapped over one of his beats, and I never heard the beat before. And that's when I was like, oh, well, who made this? Like, did you did you make this? And he's like, yeah, yeah he made it. And at that time, I never, never, it never came to me that somebody had to make the beat, that someone's making the beat. I always just focused on the lyrics, because mm. uh, around that time, like, lyrics meant everything. Uh, the song only sold if the lyrics were sick, right? If the chorus was sick. Nowadays, if the production is sick, then the song the song's a banger, right? Yeah. So I was always focused on the lyrics. I never really paid attention to the fact that someone is making a beat mm-hmm. until I saw that, oh, someone is making a beat, and I saw my friend doing it. And right. I asked him what program he used, and he said FL Studio. Well, it was called Fruity Loops back then. Right, right, right. So I downloaded the, the illegal version. Right. It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. <laughs> so that we all do it. That's how we, uh, we yeah. all oh, Excuse operate. me. I bought Microsoft Word <laughs> 2008. <laughs> <laughs> I paid $120 oh, for shit. Microsoft Word. Even then it was $120? Yeah. I yeah, felt like it was like $69. Stupid like price. <laughs> yeah. just, I still have 2007 Windows on my laptop. Just oh, yeah. throwing it out there. It's Best best version. I don't need anything new. What else do you need? I just need to type my shit out. Every, I mean, every update is no different than the last ones. It's like the interface. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, so my boy, he just uh, hooked me up with some of the drum kicks he uses, mm-hmm. the sounds he uses, and just kind of gave me a general guide. Right. I wasn't very good at it because I never really played any instruments. Of I was a recorder. Right. The recorder, yeah, yeah, yeah. The rite of passage, <laughs> yeah, fifth yeah, grade, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, Hot and crust then buns. I got the yeah, <laughs> and then I got that huge ass recorder, the tenor one. Oh yeah, yeah. wow. That's, that's Wait, I there's mean. a tenor recorder. I didn't know that. There's I didn't know that. Tenor. Really? Holy yeah, shit! I didn't know there's a demand for recorders. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Our school is cheap. Oh my god! <laughs> no instruments other than recorders. <laughs> Yo, actually, I uh, I found my recorder from third grade. Yeah. I think I'm about to get back in. Uh, oh yeah, back <laughs> in there, start playing. I'm uh, show you how to play it. What's that Titanic song by? Uh, my heart will go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By Celine Dion. I, I kind of learned it by on my own. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> <the> recorder. <laughs> so I can show you how to play that. You know, you could probably do Mask Off today. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mask yeah, Off yeah. for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Some <laughs> other songs. Yeah. Hip hop. Dang. Um, was it the uh, Big Shot by Travis Scott and Kendrick yeah. Lamar? Oh, yeah, yeah, you probably yeah, learned yeah, how to play yeah. that on recorder. That'd be pretty fun. Do you remember your first placement? No. Uh, oh, my first placement, actually, I remember. It's uh, with uh, Genghis Khan. Have you heard of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Holy oh, smokes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't just say that name nonchalantly. <laughs> That's, That's uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to talk to us about yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, I used to work with this guy named The Prophecy. Okay. I don't think he makes music anymore, but... Uh, he was he was pretty prominent in the Tamil scene at mm-hmm. that time, and at that time, uh, a lot of like freedom rights movement music was popular and popping. Right, you know, Little Empire and the Freedom Records and these guys. So he he liked my stuff and he asked me to work with him and uh, and he was working on songs, but then he heard this one beat that I, I sent him and he said he liked it a lot. Wow. So he sent he I think was in the studio with Genghis Khan at the time. Wow. So they made they made a song together on the spot. He was on the the chorus and Genghis Khan was on the the verse crazy yeah wow. i didn't get paid for anything for it. right so, <laughs> damn I don't, I don't know if it's a placement but it's whatever yeah it's it was still, on, still it's still, it's still like a, a unique experience yeah, yeah, yeah to yeah, just yeah. have you and beat. then i did a few other songs for those guys right um and then after that i took a little break yeah i just just couldn't uh just focus on music anymore mm-hmm. and then uh i came back and now i i haven't got anything major just working with Janssen and developing of course. artists yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that 
Jordi Alfen yeah. and uh, Love Sayan, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we know. Love yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. amazing. Yeah, um, shout out to them. Yeah, and uh, it, it, I guess what you're kind of saying about transitioning into like helping kind of develop or helping build people, um, yeah, how is how does that kind of differ for you, especially given that you said, you know, you were, you know, music has been a big part of your life, but in terms of production or in terms of, you know, like learning instruments and stuff like that, it was a, a still a very new process and yeah. a new experience for you. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of curious to know how that transfers into playing more of like a mentor role or more of like a support role for, for other people. Right. Um, is that kind of where you, where you feel you're at right now, working with guys like Yance and working with guys like Love Sayon? Yeah, uh, I, f- I, I enjoy that. Uh, I, like the, I like the production aspect, but I also like, because uh, production isn't just making the beats, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of, lot of people involved in production. If you like, look at any of the Kanye tracks, there's right. 50 people involved and they all get producer credit right. or like production credits, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's not just making the beats, also, you know, saying that this, these lyrics don't work or this you, you should change up this verse a little bit. Right. Um, you, like re- the arrangement mm-hmm. is also something important. And so uh, when I started making music, I always thought their production was just making the beat. And so my experience with Genghis Khan and the Prophecy and those other people is that I just make the beat, send it to them. They they record their track and they put it out and I get producer credit even though that's just a beat maker's job. Right. My production is much bigger than that. So now I get to experience the whole package yeah. and so I get I get to make the beat but I also get to critique um, the artist and say you know what I feel like this is n- not on time or mm-hmm. uh, something's off about this or maybe we got to work on the re- uh, the arrangement of the song and I, I get to basically polish the song and make it into an actual product that you can put out there right um, whereas whereas before I didn't get that opportunity is just just give them a beat and they rap on kind it, of go you know? go yeah, with and, it and yeah they, they basically have all of the creative control whereas here it's like i'm it's, it's also my song even though i'm not the artist expressing whatever is being expressed on it it's still part of it is still my song mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. i get that I, I um i also work with a few other artists like esquire i don't know if you guys heard of no them, but yeah. enough yeah and um yours truly these these guys i work, I work with them and so it's the same process it's, yeah except that some of these guys are a little bit more picky they know what they want right so like trying to work around that and trying to mesh what your style is and what your vision is for a song with what they envision for their song mm-hmm. is uh it can be challenging sometimes and yeah. sometimes um, uh, you don't get what you want but i kind of being a lawyer uh <laughs> kind of um know how to handle that yeah, stuff yeah, because yeah, a lot of times you you'll say you know i don't think this is this is right legally speaking or like even strategically or speaking right right and the client be like nah it's okay it's fine uh, i don't i don't care about this, uh, this legal protection or i don't care about going about doing this this way i don't need a contract and i was like okay yeah whatever it's yeah you, you have to trust them in that so sense it's the same, I guess. sometimes it's the same thing with music the only thing is if i get producer credit and i don't get what i want <laughs> You know, I gotta live with it, and right. I, I get, and it's manifested in the world that it's not an exact representation of who I am or right. what I want. No, I, I would have never considered yeah. thinking of it that way. Yeah. So, but you know, you it's give and take. So mm-hmm. you give in sometimes here, and then you can take or push harder on another side. I think, uh, like I uh, remember, like before watching like Kanye and Jay Z talking about their Watch the Throne album and how they fought a lot. Yeah. Over which songs go on it, how the different songs should sound like, and I think it's. I can relate to it because there's a lot of give and take in on their end and right. it's, it's the same thing with me. Right. Yeah. And uh, and it's and it's kind of wild too because a lot of the time it uh it will come down to like taste, right? Yeah. yeah um yeah. which I I don't want to say unfortunately, but in this case, yeah, it is like a 100% a, a subjective 
opinion. It's it's subjective, right? It's something yeah. that. Uh, is going to clash because there is no like quote unquote right right, right way of doing exactly. it. Exactly, I, I um, feel like you know there are a few people who are lucky enough that they end up finding the perfect artist that just meshes with them. Yeah, beautifully Drake in um uh, in a forty mm-hmm. uh, six and Logic. Yeah, uh, Kendrick and uh, I forget their name that group. Uh, just like TDE, you're talking about Soundwave. Oh, Soundwave, Soundwave yeah, 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 yeah. THC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So like those guys, like they have you know they know the that person well enough that. And their sounds mesh really well. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to get to that point one day. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and um, shoot, what was I gonna say? And in terms of uh, uh, like all of these kind of different artists, have they have you been the um, the kind of middleman between a lot of them and a lot of the other people kind of collaborating, or have they all kind of known each other and you you've known a lot of these guys growing up? Um, so, well, the guys I work with now, I just met them maybe in the last three, four years. Okay, well. Right? Uh, a lot of the people that I've worked with before, I don't really work with anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not that history. I don't have that history. I have a very short history to work right, with. Right, and right. I have a very short time frame to get to know the person. Um, I, I, I can serve as a middleman in certain situations. Yeah. In other situations, I, uh, I just let everyone else do what they want to do. It's better if they discover each other on their own than mm-hmm. through a person. Uh, most of the time, where where I am a middleman is where I, you know, put them on to a show or an opportunity. Yeah. Like Kota uh, Fest happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on July twenty eighth. That's and right. So I put on eight different artists on my own, like from wow. my own. So I sourced those artists and I put them onto the show. Right. And so, like in that regard, I work as a middleman in terms right. of music production. Uh, generally, a lot of times they just work on their own, and I'm there. I show up. Uh, to help with the recording process or the, uh, the arrangement process or just, you know, just finalizing the song, mm-hmm. critiquing it. Because um, I think uh, a lot of times there's too many yes-men in the world, right? Everyone says, yo, this song, song is dope. And your boy, like you play a shit song, your boy's going to be like, yo, it's dope. Yeah, it's, it's an just, echo chamber, right? Yeah, yeah. And then so you, so sometimes you need somebody to be like, you know what, it's not that great. Yeah. And I think I'm I'm best suited for that because I don't really care if you, you get your, if your feelings hurt, but I also don't care if you don't want to fuck with me anymore. Right. Matter. I just find somebody else. Right. So I, I enjoy telling people, you know, where they can get better. Right. And it's I guess it's for the greater good, especially for the Tamil community. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, hip-hop and R&B and just music in general, like we're sh- starting to embrace our creati- creative side. It's yeah. not just about being an engineer or a doctor right. or any of those uh, you know, staple jobs. Mm-hmm. It's about doing these other things. So getting to be a part of that and telling people, like this is how you can make your craft better. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Why not be the best? Why do you want to be mediocre? Why do you want to be less than the best? So, right. So Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and something that you briefly mentioned too is like, you know, making music and then feeling like you, you had to stop. Um, did that kind of come from like a creative block? Was that from just like a, uh, you know, a change in environment for you that kind of made you stop or transition out of really making music and more so just kind of being in the support role? Yeah. Um, so my advice to anybody that's, doing anything really is that if you have momentum don't let it go right right unless you can't you can't help it right Right. and so when i was working with the prophecy and those guys i was getting a lot of momentum i i uh i was getting um a lot of followers a lot of listeners and at that that time soundcloud was everything and i had like 600 700 followers right um just for making beats and that's a lot for me and that's a lot for people on soundcloud at that time totally and i had a lot of momentum but then i like i had i I had depression Mm. for Right these days, I, I wouldn't call it that because I learned to tackle it. Right. But back then, I was going through depression, and so I just gave up on a lot of things, even with school. Right. 
uh, the time I was on pace like to finish in three years and then I just I just couldn't I just gave up on everything I right. didn't, took like three courses a semester stopped making music stopped even caring about it and I um, just just didn't do anything really it's like mm-hmm. always tired just yeah for sure, lazy. for sure um, just trying to just try to make it the next day of course so that kind of that stopped me and it prevented me from you know making greater um, progress mm-hmm. and I think that it, had I not gone through that kind of stuff I probably would have been more prominent in the Tamil scene and possibly in the Toronto uh, hip hop scene I think I was doing something different I think I was doing something that was unique and I also had a different perspective with the music right but it is what it is yeah. um, so I spent maybe four or five years trying to deal with that cope with that right. um, eventually when I got a grip on it I tried to get back into music and that's when I found Janssen um, through his sister wow and so I started working with him uh, on a few of his songs and then helping him finish some of his songs and then to, to the point where I am now where I um, not only help them with their songs but also um, critique them on the song mentor them right. where needed um, and stuff like that kind of found yeah just found a way back in right found yeah. a way to still contribute exactly um, well you know I mean Obviously, we're we're happy that you're kind of comfortable sharing it, but uh, you know, a good glimpse into the kind of non-linear process in in battling or kind of coping with uh, mental health, right? Yeah. Is that you mentioned uh, it being a four to five year window before you felt like it was something that you could take Man- control of, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and do you do you feel like um, it was something that you were able to address very early on? Did it take a yeah. Did you feel like it, it took a long time to address what you were feeling? Yeah. Um, I, w- I think one of my character traits is that I'm very persistent and I like to keep going, uh, you know, keep pushing, uh, especially if it's something I care about. Mm. So when you when I was dealing with pre- depression, I, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I can't be lazy. I can't, you know, I can't be slack enough. I got to keep pushing, got to keep working, but I just couldn't. Um and uh, I guess I was in denial. And I think it's also, you know, we have this, as Tamil people, I think we have this uh, mentality where we're um, resilient, right? Mm. Like we feel, oh, anything, we, like whatever comes our way, we can tackle it. It doesn't matter. It's nothing. Like we can get over it. Right. And so I think I had the mentality that, oh, yeah, it's nothing. I can deal with this. And it took a long time for me to say, you know what, maybe I do have a problem. Mm. Maybe I need to find help or speak to somebody or figure it out on my own maybe even and address it before I can move on and be successful Right. because I have this one the thing about depression is like if you have a bully at school you know you can go home and the bully's not there anymore right I mean for that temporary block of time that bully's not there but with depression it's there everywhere you go yeah. right no matter you can't turn it off so accepting that demon or accepting that as a as a part of your life and then learning how to deal with it or at least incorporate it into your life so that it's not necessarily a negative energy but something you can use as positive is it's difficult but it takes yeah. time to accept it and to come to terms with it and then to figure out what you can do with it mm-hmm. yeah and what uh, and what was your your experience with your your immediate family or your friends as you were kind of um, working with it or or learning to understand Right. Your depression. I never, no, I never told anybody. I've never told anybody. Wow. Um, like my parents don't know to this day, and they'll, they probably won't know because they don't have Instagram or yeah, YouTube or anything like fair that. Enough. So mm-hmm. they'll, I don't think they'll ever find out. And even if they do, it's, it's kind of too late because I, I'm in a better place now. I'm able to, wow. control it, right? Yeah. So there's not much they can do. They can feel. I mean, if they did find out, they probably feel bad that they weren't able to help or that I didn't come to them. Right. But, um, 
in terms of my brother and sister, they didn't know either. Like they didn't know till recently. Well, I, d- I did this project with Vincia where I, uh, I initially I I never actually put it into f- um, like I started it. I never really finished it, but this one episode w- where I discussed my depression, mm. and so my brother and sister saw it, and they're like, "Why don't you come to us? Why don't you say anything? Right, they feel right, bad right. now." And I was going through it, right. <clears throat> and even my friends, I n- they didn't know till maybe four or five years into it, three no sorry three four years into it. Wow. Yeah, it's just um, I'm not, I'm a very private person when mm. it comes to these kind of things. I don't really tell everybody about what I'm going through. Yeah. Um. So on the face, everyone thinks yeah, well, this guy's good, this guy's happy. Right. But it's not the truth. Of course. At least, at least then. Mm-hmm. Now it's a different story. But yeah, so nobody really knew until I kind of figured, found out a way to express it without actually having to say it through my own words or like right. directly. So right. it was through video and music. Of course. Yeah. So I found a beat. That I, I created a beat. I found Vincent to help me shoot it mm-hmm. and then we put it out into the world wow so that was like about last year last year wow uh, so uh, what was it that kind of helped you uh become yourself again after that period and get back into the things that you uh kind of love i think i found <clears throat> i found out like um, a lot of artists go through depression right like kid cuddy goes went through depression and his um, like his albums they discuss it but i never really like he's not Although he's like an amazing artist, he's not somebody that I listen to often. Yeah. Right. But then Kanye talks about it, right? And I like I idolized him, not anymore, but <laughs> I did. Right. And so when he talked about it, I was like, okay, okay, so someone else is going through it. Someone that I like look up to a lot goes through it. Mm-hmm. And there have been other artists like that. So it, it helped me accept the fact that you know you can be all the way up there and still be going through that shit. It's, yeah. I'm not alone. Um, yeah, it's pretty much that. And and also like even like talking to people like Vintia, like she go, she went through the same thing. Right. So, uh, you know, seeing that, oh, there's someone else that understands what I go through. Like, I was so, I was excited when I was ex- trying to explain to her what I wanted in each shot and she understood why I wanted it the way I wanted it. Right. And so, seeing that someone else could relate to me in that on that level was, um, was, was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, kind of what you said earlier too about um, this resilience existing within the Tamil community and it also being um, the kind of argument or like base for why um, so many Tamil people from any generation choose to dismiss or kind of ignore hardship, right? right. Or, or struggle of any kind. So to simply just like know that there's like a, at least one other Tamil person who, who knows precisely what you're going through. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very liberating thing, I yeah, can imagine. Exactly. Um, and it's super funny that you bring that up because I uh, just today I was watching a, a documentary made by uh, um, a really talented writer and kind of like researcher named Amani, and um, <clears throat> it's a documentary series called Where Now, and uh, essentially it's just these series of interviews uh, where she sits down with um, other um, just like young uh, black people from Toronto and kind of talks about their experiences growing up in different parts of the city, um, what the city means to them, and, you know, uh, you know what they hope for the city and what they hope for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and something that uh, one of the interviewees uh, says that really sat with me or really made me think about the Tamil community was that um, <clears throat> she talks about how, like, you know, so she was speaking about the, uh, about the black community within Toronto, but she was saying how, like, resilience is this, like, um, is this is this thing that's like brought up so much yeah. um, but resilience as like a as like an idea or like an action 
comes exclusively from like struggle or hardship, right? right. That is why people need to be resilient, resilient or choose exactly. to be resilient. Um, so while the idea is like a, a noble thing and it is this kind of like, you know, um, yeah, this like this, this really unique idea of like pushing through something, um, you only find yourself in that position if you are dealing with some kind of struggle, right? Yeah. Um, and you end up needing to, or not needing to, but it ends up, you know, reframing it that way. You end up thinking more about uh, why we choose to be resilient or have to be resilient and what other avenues exist for us to to kind of take on to cope with whatever that struggle is, right? Um, particularly with mental illness, it's like resilience is, is as you mentioned, it feels impossible, right? Um, it feels absolutely impossible. Um, so thanks a lot for, for sharing that because, okay. uh, yeah, it, it's something that we mentioned off air is that it's really important for anyone, whether, you know, whether you're from the Tamil community or any kind of I- immigrant community, right? That is a common theme amongst so many immigrant communities in yeah. Toronto and Canada, wherever, is that sure. these things get dis- dismissed. Um, and oftentimes, you know, in your case as well, y- it becomes very difficult to reach out to, to anyone about it. Right. Um, <clears throat> I guess one of the kind of like last, uh, last questions that we really have for you is, uh, just about, um, you know, putting out work, um, and, and kind of trusting, trusting in, in work, you know, um, something that you m- mentioned a little bit earlier was like having work and, and choosing to kind of like take it down or, or have it removed and stuff like that. And you've also mentioned working with artists and talking to them about really refining, refining an idea and making sure that it's, it's something that they really like, you really like as well. Um, you know, over the course of working with other people, over the course of working on music yourself, um, how, you know, do you feel like, uh, it has been a process to kind of like learn and, and trust in, you know, your talent or your skill? Is that something you felt you've always kind of had, or was it something that it took a while to, to gain some confidence in? Yeah, no, it definitely took a while to gain some confidence yeah. in. I, I don't think I was really a confident kid growing up. Mm-hmm. And I got made fun of my dark skin a lot and right. uh, things like that. Yeah. And so I didn't really have the confidence there with me. And I was pretty shy even with music. I, rem- I used to rap in high school. And wow. it took me a long time for my friend to convince me to you know, do the talent show with them. Right. Can you do a quick 100 bars? <laughs> <laughs> quick 200 bars. I'm retired. Yeah. I'm retired. <laughs> but yeah, so just, just getting the confidence to put my music out there and trust that I, I did a good job and that other, there there will be other people that like it. It was really hard uh, yeah. at first. And I think as you work with more people and you start to hear your music and other people's work, uh, you can build your confidence. Your, your confidence will build that way. Um, and, uh, and one thing is that I, I'm kind of a perfectionist. And if something doesn't sound right, uh, I'm not going to be happy with right. it. But I also learned as I started working with other people that music is not supposed to sound perfect. It's not a science. It's an art. Right. And so I've gained my confidence by knowing that even though it's not perfect, it's still it can still be beautiful. It can still be amazing. It can still be meaningful. something worth listening to. And meaningful, yeah. yeah. And substantive. So, yeah, working with other people showed me that, you know, uh, that I can, I, can put, I can make good work. I can yeah. make great music of course and that built my confidence and nowadays like i trust what i say so if i say oh, this is dope this is dope but if i say no nah, it's not it's yeah <laughs> and, I, and i trust i trust my word and right. same with my own music like i trust that when i put it out it's dope mm-hmm. and uh if i take it down or if i don't put it up then it's, it's trash and i know it right yeah. right um and it's something mm-hmm. you're content with 
Oh, and uh, no, I just noticed your Instagram photos. Like uh, like months ago, you'd have so many, and then you deleted yeah. most of them, I'm assuming, recently. Yeah. Even that Vincia uh, yeah, project, you took that down. down. You just weren't pleased with uh, what you had? Uh, yeah, no, I just felt like I could do way better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, okay. And I, I just evolved. Like, my pictures, like, I felt uh, visually I can do a lot more. Mm. And I usually get other people to shoot my whatever I have to shoot, but the, then I was like, I'll just shoot it myself. Right. So, <laughs> and I learned how to edit myself. So now the pictures I put up are like a pretty accurate representation of who yeah, I am, yeah. what I like, um, how I see the world. And same with any video that's going to come out. If it if it has my imprint on it, it's going to be an accurate ref- reflection of who I am. Right. And any music too. I used to, in the beginning of the year, I started off this thing where I put out a beat a week. Right. Wow. And then I, uh, and I did it and I went halfway through the year and then after that, I was like, I don't want to do shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And the reason I said that is because I, I started realizing that subconsciously a lot of my beats started sounding like Metro Boomin's beats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh man, a I was like, conundrum. I need to take a break from yep. this stuff, and so I took everything down. And, right. and for me, uh, social media, like taking down things, is as constructive as it is posting. Uh, as it is posting, yeah, because yeah. taking it out gives me a chance to renew myself and put out a new version of myself. Because you learn something new, maybe every day, maybe every week. I don't know, but you learn something, and right. you learn something about yourself, and you learn something about how you view the world. Yeah, and like you asked that question about confidence, like you gain more confidence than that that vision you have of the world. Right. And so you stop, uh, you or you try your best not to be influenced by other things, although influence is okay. You know, sometimes, like I said, this metro booming subconscious thing, like I don't want that. So right. So as I became more confident in what I wanted to put out there, I, I thought it's time for me to delete all this stuff and start mm-hmm. again. I didn't want to hold on to those thing, uh, things. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And uh, real quick before we get into Soup It Up, uh, with... Like, this many years deep into hip-hop, do you feel like you're scraping at the bottom of the barrel when, like, looking for or creating beats? Uh, yeah, you know, well, I mean, it's, yeah, I guess if I'm trying to make a name for myself, I guess I'm kind of scraping my, uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Mm. Um, but there's not just one way to get into the music industry. Right? Yeah. I'm a lawyer. I can get into the music industry. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I can, uh, management is one other way. Of course. I'm thinking about doing that. Yeah. And I'm still thinking about doing that. Totally. Yeah, just you, just having, having confidence and being comfortable on both sides of it, right? The exactly. art side and the business side. Right. And so, important. um, while I maybe, I think I am scraping the bottom of the barrel with respect to like music production. Yeah. I think in the more executive roles that, that take place in the music industry, I'm just getting started. Yeah. Like I'm not, I, I've seen a lot of people create labels yeah. that are much older than I am and much later in their life than I am. So I think that I have not only the music expertise, but the legal yeah, 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 negotiating yeah. skills that I need, like that an agent would have. For sure. Stuff like that. So I'm going to find my way into the music industry one way or another. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and whether it's through actual production or through something more executive, that's so up to God. And then I guess up to me to decide. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 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 And, and, and of course, you know, when it comes to that, <clears throat> uh, the kind of difficulty in producing something that, you know, quote unquote sounds unique or catches people's attention, like it ends up being no fault of anyone's just given how accessible anything and everything is right it's yeah. like it, we can all hear each other's music we all have access to it um for like this is just like a silly anecdote but uh very recently my sister showed me some one of those in my feelings challenges that took place on like a farm like a rural farm in india and it's well, like okay yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it you know it can make it all the way over there right the cows yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. um you know it makes you think it's like okay if, you know if something like that can 
can make it to, you know, a part of the world where we assume or we have this maybe false idea that, you know, they are disconnected, you know, that's not true. Right. Um, and in the same case, it's like if you think of all the people or all the places in the world that are connected, that do have access to, you know, torrented exactly. uh, digital audio workshops. There used to be and a time where, you know, if you're a producer, like if you had, um, if you're a producer and you had access to those, um, you know, studio and equipment mm-hmm. that everyone, everyone would come to you yeah. because nobody else had access exactly. to expensive equipment. But nowadays, like everything is digitized and it's in your room. Right. Everybody has access to it. So yeah. you're competing with tons and tons more people than back then. Back then it was much easier to break into the scene yeah. because um, as long as you knew somebody who had access to stuff, you're golden. Yeah. These days it's a different game. Yeah, man, totally. I mean, and yeah, I guess the scary thing is that that, you know, spans across every or so many creative creative fields, right? Yeah. Um, even think about um, uh, when people talk about something being like vintage or classic so-and-so. Um, so like, for example, like a, and it's not even classic, it, it is still, um, still used by a lot of these people, but, you know, in, there was a period in time where uh, a beat produced by Timbaland would come out and you know him yeah. because of his like excessive use of like syncopated shakers right. or you know Pharrell produced a beat because there was like a four mm. four count stutter start at the beginning yeah, of the beat or even like that fuzzy synth like the yep. warm fuzzy synth that he uses yeah exactly yeah. just small things like those where you could tell um, where um, now I think it's still arguable that there there are producers who found a way to make unique sounds to maybe not Maybe not for a listener to always know it's them, but to know who like pioneered it. I think Catronada is an example of mm-hmm. someone who came up with this like very like round uh, like bass baseline that you know right. is mimicked by a lot of people, but for the most part, people know that it was him who popularized it. Um, but you know, you also have producers who have to put tags at the <laughs> at the beginning of a song, right? Because it's like, oh man, like it could be one of. 200 people who, who potentially made the song given right. that all of your, your sounds are so similar. Exactly. Um, so yeah, tricky, tricky world, but uh, also exciting times to think of all the kind of prospects that are yeah, that are there po- for you, yeah, you know? Yeah, all these possibilities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've pretty much reached the, the end of the, the kind of more interview part of this episode. Um, we usually end with two little segments that are, yeah, just meant to be pretty relaxed, pretty chill. Um, <laughs> so we'll get into our first one here known as Soup It Up which is unofficially sponsored by Campbell Soup. It's where we talk about uh, something that's made us salty in the past day, in the past week, in the past month, in the past year. Um, literally made you salty at any point. It's just an opportunity to, to get it off your chest. Um, so we usually start with Navek because uh, he usually brings the heat. Do you have anything that's, that's been on your mind? Yes, I do. <laughs> this time, I'm not really angry at this person. I'm angry at the people, okay. everybody else. And... This happened on Sunday Night Love and Hip Hop, of course. Uh, Ray J was wearing a hat, and it shifted numerous times <laughs> during the scene. And we all wondered, why is he shifting his hat? And a lot of people started showing appreciation for Ray J. But I was like, where were you when radiation dropped? <laughs> where were you when One Wish dropped? All this heat, you know? Yeah. And then I did some more research into... Uh, Ray, a.k.a. Ray Charles, is what <laughs> not some people true, call not him. Not true, No one calls him Ray um, Charles. You know, and did you know that he has one kid? Only one kid? <laughs> Wait, with, with, with princes? Yeah. That's the only one kid? Yeah, after Whoa. after marriage. Whoa. Like, oh, wait, but, but about before marriage? Oh, none. The, 
So Only Sinbad one child. Well. Damn, yeah. Did you did you used to watch that show, Sinbad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. We we definitely saw Sinbad. <laughs> yeah, so he tuned well, in, raised him well. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. One kid. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume he had ten, <laughs> but one kid, of course. Wow. And like, especially guy. after like, uh, you know, he doesn't have a a great history with his sister. You okay. know, sister. You know. Created many songs, killed the person with her car. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's his sister? Brandy Brandy's Norwood. A, Brandy's a sister? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. See, oh, see, like you. Like, people, you know, don't appreciate <laughs> the history of. I don't. I really the fell rakeology. off. The really, I really fell off Rage after one wish. Sorry. And so, to all the kids out there, do your Googles. <laughs> you know, look into some. Because really is a decent R&B artist. Yeah. He had some hits. <laughs> that, was that, what was that song he had uh, where he's trying to insult Kanye? I hit it first. What's it called? I hit it first. Oh yeah. Bobby Brackens. Oh <laughs> Just the worst. Bobby Brackens. <laughs> oh, my God. Where is he? I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, he's actually writing. Bobby Braggins? Yeah. Oh, like, shit. That's where the money is. Yeah. 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 He's oh. actually writing, like, some of these hits, like, uh, some Justin Bieber songs and shit like that, which is shocking, because when I heard his voice, I was like, <laughs> I almost threw my computer out the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, what was that other song he had with New Boys? Uh, oh, I, Tie I, Me I, Up. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Yeah. You Can't Tie Me Down. <laughs> You can't tie me down. <laughs> historic, historic hook on there. So you know what? Uh, that's all I have to say. Go appreciate the man. You can see him on Love and Hip Hop, uh, L.A. every Sunday night, probably. Hollywood, I think. I, I Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, now I kind of want to get into it after seeing yeah, that scene. It's, it's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It gets a little draining if you watch it in a row, like all the episodes in a row. But if you watch it once a week or twice a week, it's pretty good. Good for your health. Yeah, it's good. It's a good dose of, like, ratchetness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, you, you know, songwriting and that kind of where money is at, uh, this is, like, a, an article that I saw circulating um, my social media feeds a little bit earlier today that I'm looking up now. Um, and there's like, it's been published on a few different sites, but um, uh, I guess uh, maybe like a data group known as City Group uh, recently put out a report about the music industry. Um, and of the <coughs> $43 billion generated within the music industry in 2017, uh, recording artists received 12% of that. Whoa. Uh, which is like a frightening fact to think about um even given like all of the like quote unquote i mean we all know that there's not a whole lot of equity but the quote unquote equity that that is provided to an artist through like a streaming platform pretty scary 43 million dollars and 43 billion pardon me oh, and just 12 percent 12 percent going to the to the musicians uh and most of that and most sorry and uh, most of that 12 percent i can't see an exact number here but majority of that 12 percent coming through touring, which means it's even mm. less money through your... Yeah, yeah. The actual... That's, uh, that's why a lot of artists go out and do other ventures, right? They, you yeah. know, um, well, Ludacris had Conjure and uh, what's his name? Diddy had... Oh, Diddy, Buck, yeah. Like, what Those, was it? Diddy uh, got everything, yeah. and stuff like, like, And then mm. not, not just that, like other things too, you know, Jordan Brand, Adidas. And totally. Endorsements. Yeah, music doesn't really have much money in it. Scary. More of a platform to get you famous enough so mm. you can do other things. Yeah, frightening. Yeah, and like the real people prospering off these artists' success are the executives, which kind of leads leads into a discussion with uh, Lear Cohen, um, 
mainly known for Def Jam being a major executive and people calling him like a culture vulture, you know, mm-hmm. just sucking the success of all of these black artists and then pretty much dropping everyone after they faded, yeah. right. which is what he did. And Todd Moskowitz, you know, a bunch of all these execs, which is why, which is obviously leads to, um, you know, Chance and all these other artists leading the, uh, the indie yeah, yeah, yeah. route, which is, which I think is smart, but super scary. Yeah. yeah I, like, yeah. it doesn't pay off unless you're super successful. And, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, it's good, like, if, being, you know, the master of your own fate and having control of your own ship is, it's empowering. Yeah. And, uh, you get to keep all your money. This is good. Too. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the percentages are, but I'm assuming like if you're not like a top recording artist, if you're just one of the other like average recording artists on a label, you probably aren't making as much as an independent artist is yep. anyway. So for so sure, why not be mm-hmm. indie? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Super up. That was a good one. Um, this is one that you may not have off the top of your head, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Uh, without naming any names, because obviously you can't do that. Uh, what is the most like ridiculous? Uh, what is the most ridiculous scenario or kind of like a situation you've had to deal with through your work? Through my work? My work is pretty boring. It's mostly transactional. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We're still hyping it. We're still thinking you're dealing with criminals, right? That's okay. Yeah, that's I okay. Got to deal with any of that hey, stuff that's yet. okay. That's okay. Um, still, man, lawyer life sounds frightening. You know, I feel like they tried to jazz it up in uh, suits. what's that show? Suits. Yeah. So, I'll tell you this. Uh, one time, uh, so I stopped watching Suits. I think halfway to the second season because I was like this is fake me too yeah, me too. yeah I mean I didn't I don't know anything about being a lawyer but I was like yeah after the second season kind of yeah it got bo- it just turned to bullshit and I was like this is fake and then I remember uh, so me and my friends we were downtown and we were supposed to watch the Blue Jays game but we decided to skip and get drunk nice <laughs> <laughs> so we were drunk and we are walking down uh, <laughs> shit the I know where this is going <laughs> and uh, they were shooting at the BMO building nice uh, and uh and we were standing there watching it, and there was a whole bunch of girls watching it too, and they were making noise. <laughs> so we, we were talking, and I think we were talking quietly, but I, we were done, so I don't think we were. Uh, and was, some guy came on, he's like, yo, you guys had to be quiet, you gotta leave. And I went like, he can't even hear us, like, he's in the building, <laughs> and there are cars out there, like, what do you want us to do? We wanna talk? Yeah. So then I started talking louder and louder, and then kicked us out, and the police officer came. Oh, so I yelled, yo, suits is fake, I was a fake lawyer, Mike Ross is a fake lawyer, fuck out of here. <laughs> and then we were oh making our grand God. exit and my friend he's, he had more beer in his uh, in the LCBO bag and the beer the bag ripped Jesus. all the bottles I mean all the cans were rolled <laughs> and that was our exit <laughs> you guys just run after so that so great yeah, we, just... we, we ran after that then we ran down the street I took a pylon I threw it down the street oh, and ran away into an alleyway wow shame on you know many little kids <laughs> I heard them were like what he's not Mike he's not real <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that is amazing <laughs> yeah. um well that's a really good soup it up because yeah um i that was something i meant to, i was thinking about earlier i'm like damn what, what i wonder what this guy thinks about suits yeah because they like even the show it's shot in toronto but it's supposed to be new york yeah, <laughs> that's not even real. you know one of the one of the <laughs> funniest much. one of the funniest scenes uh that are or one scene that i remember that made me laugh was um there's uh one episode where they like are traveling to london and there's like this slow side pan shot of uh one of the head lawyers like talking to another one who's sitting at a desk and it's like they make it to London and there's like some small talk and as they're doing the side pan you see this beautiful quote unquote uh, skyline of London <laughs> and like halfway through there the CN Towers just <laughs> pops up and they just keep it moving it's, it's like, like the first wheel that Millennium first yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah exactly it's like one was CGI'd one they couldn't <laughs> figure out how to hide um, but yeah ridiculous ridiculous okay let's move on to our last segment here before we close up this one's called 3 Pete. Unofficially sponsored by Lil Wayne. Young Moolah, baby! 
where we ask you three questions, each asking you to list something off in sets of three. Uh, you can run off the top of your head, or you can take as long as you need to answer okay. it. Uh, shout out post-production. <laughs> but uh, it's just a cheeky way for us to to get to know you a little bit better and a little bit of the... the the, the things that you believe in. Uh, so first question, who are three producers from Toronto who deserve more credit? More credit? Uh, me? <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, I think 40. Uh, way more credit. And I'm, going to, I'm just going to say Janssen. got to do that. Great, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. Who are, what are three ways that you choose to take care of yourself when you need it most? Oh, take care of myself? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Uh, Long drive. Nice. So I can clear my head. Shower. That's good, too. Keeps you clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all facts. This is true. <laughs> Showers keep you clean. <laughs> and mm, probably traveling. Where? Yeah, yeah. Sorry? Oh, that's like great. This, I mean, oh, yeah, oh, where? Like sorry. Where? <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, but yeah, true. Where? Yeah, Where's the most recent place that you've traveled? So I just, I came back from Banff two weeks ago. Great. But I've been posting like I'm still there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, this guy's been Banff for the whole year. Damn, was, he's, fly, he's falling back just to record with us. <laughs> and then uh, earlier in the year, I was in Hawaii. Amazing. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm going to San Francisco. San Francisco. Amazing. And hopefully maybe another trip, but I don't think I can afford it. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I, uh, a friend of mine sent me, when I was uh, very recently down there, sent me a great list of places to check out, museums to go to, places to eat. Wait, so all uh, in San Francisco. I'll make sure to send that yeah, to you. We're still in the, I'm still in the planning phase. Like, um, all I have is I'm going to Big Sur. Okay, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. That's all I know. Nice. It's like... Um, it's like a nature place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's maybe a national coast, park or something. Um, it has a lot of clips and stuff like that. I think That's all I know. I've just seen some pictures. I didn't really do my, my research into it. I think Jack Kerouac maybe wrote a book about oh, that yeah? place. Yeah, Jack Kerouac. I don't know what the book's about, but it's just titled Big Sur. I heard if you um, go to the uh, Full House house, <laughs> uh, you might actually run into the uh, ghost of Dave Coulier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he goes, cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> um more more importantly than the full house house is actually if you're in San Francisco <laughs> if you go to the house where that's a raven <laughs> that's store, a you can actually predict the future for a day oh yeah or you see part. that guy wasn't it Orlando Blue <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what's his name Orlando what Johnson? Orlando Brown oh, Orlando, Orlando Brown. Brown yeah yeah I heard if you go to the bathtub the bathroom he pops out of the water <laughs> ooh <Yeah>. what <laughs> I just had a vision. <laughs> they're shooting this. They're shooting this new a series where she's a she has she's a mom. And she she's got kids. a kid who's psychic. Yeah, that's right. It's a thing. Hey, bring him back. <laughs> All right, I know he's he has a little more things on his rider that he needs <laughs> to, to get him through the day. Don't even bring that's a room back. Just bring Fillmore back, man. We just need hall monitors back in our lives again. That's what we need. Fillmore was the one. Yeah, Fillmore was one. That was that was voiced by him, pretty well. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Different side, man. Versatile, versatile actor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a side note, which is kind of unrelated. I mean, still a children's kind of thing. Corey Baxter's brother who was on Zoe 101. I saw a clip of him leaving a club and one guy's like, hey, I got a question for you real quick. He's like, yeah, what up? He's like, yo, you ever uh, smash Zoe? And then uh, he's like, nah, man. He's like, you're the only black dude. I know you smashed her or whatever. And then he Is just he keeps walking. Round kid? Like the big fat kid? So his yeah. older brother? I can't, do you have older brother or younger brother? Older brother older was brother. on Zoe 101. Right, yeah. right, right. 
That's yeah, rough. Yeah, watch that show. <laughs> yeah, where, where what's his name? Chase was it? I can't remember. <laughs> the, he hit a he hit a note or some caps in a capsule that was buried yeah, underground. Yeah, yeah, Just so ridiculous. And he wanted to retrieve it because he didn't want Zoe to find his true feelings. <laughs> what a fuck. Dude. Oh my god. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Just the absolute worst. Those shows t- taught us not how, not how to not be a man, like how to not express your feelings. And Ex- how to not it. express yeah. feelings. That's right. Uh, mm. Yeah, tricky. How to not take an, and how to not take no for an answer right because he was afraid to to take it yeah exactly to be rejected think about that show to being over in two seasons like hey do you like me no (laughs) cool you know what this might hurt a little bit but we'll keep moving Mm. series done (laughs) Um, series done okay last question for you three of your favorite slashed slash uh given that you said that you're uh you're feeling more more concrete on your word these days what are the three best places to eat in scarborough in Scarborough? In Scarborough. Oh, damn. Not even Toronto, in Scarborough. Scarborough? Mm. Yo, I, eat da- I just eat downtown. Okay, fair, let fair, think, fair. Let me fair. think, no, no, let me think, let me think. Okay. Scarborough. Okay. Uh, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> All right, fair, that's I fine. I was going to say be careful, but, you know, there's way too many um, fair. spots. What are your top three places to eat in the city, then? Okay, I like, I like Dirty Bird. Nice. Uh, Shout out Adrian K- Forte, yeah. It's in uh, Kensington Market. Mm-hmm. And right next to it is this taco place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cost seven lives or something. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it's right name. next to it. I like that a lot too. Those two places. And then if I had to choose another place, actually, uh, in Scarborough, uh, is is Alvin Bakery Bakery in Scarborough? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that that nice. would be my Scarborough nice, choice. Nice, nice, nice. I love their patties and yeah, man. and all that yeah. stuff. People argue some of the the best patties in the city. Is what Dope, some man. people Dope. some people I just, argue. I was there this past weekend. Like, I have to go there like once a month. Damn, <laughs> get your fix. Mm, yeah. Add that to the list of things you do to take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Long drives, patties, and travel. <laughs> hey, and shower. Shower. <laughs> yeah. Remember that shower. Um, man, this has been a really great episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, for having me. We certainly learned a lot from you, and hopefully our, our listeners did as well. Um, man, plug your shit. Where can, where can people follow you? Where can they keep up with you? Um, yeah, just follow me on Instagram. It's sure, at, man. At it's no problem. Great. That's it. I used to have SoundCloud, but it's not. It's no problem. So hey, no worries. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I guess before we leave, we should ask where the uh, where the name come from. Where did oh, no problem come from? Yeah, so I I I, ha- I didn't have a name before. I just go in by Vishnu. Right, it's just a cool name too. But, yeah, uh, I wanted a, a moniker, so I was thinking about it, and uh, it, no no problem. You know that song where it says no problem, no problem. Who's that by? Uh, I can't. I don't know who's it's by. Chance? No, no. How do you not know that Chance song? Yeah, I do know that Chance <laughs> I was song. Like, no, no, no. Oh, no. I still don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll play it for we'll you guys. Find it, we'll yeah, find yeah. it. So there's a Tamil song. Like, it's a pretty popular song. And and so I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. I like that. No problem. Nice. But then also because I'm a lawyer. So if you come up, if it's not le- uh, criminal related, it's like corporate <laughs> and securities related, and you need me to deal with it, it's like, it's no problem. It's bro. no problem. <laughs> it's man. no yeah. problem. Even good. music production, you need it. It's no problem. Sick. Okay. This last one, you don't have to answer today you can hit me back another day yeah. think about this one okay. i know you have a lot of beats and you know that we rap, <laughs> we, don't rap. we were on uh, christmas in scarborough i don't know okay. if you've heard that uh we re- we're spinning our asses off in the studio like i was spinning a verse and chris was like i came out the the, the booth like killed that chris was like cool get fucking back in there do it again, do it again. i need another verse like kanye or something oh, i was shit. like I did that verse like six or seven times, Chris. I was like, 
But you know, obviously, the fire came out. So if you want to send that beat pack, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, it's just sitting there, just collecting dust. Might as well put it to use. Oh man, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, at Nivek the Ripper at hotmail.com. Yeah. That's his rap <laughs> moniker. That's, that's Nivek the Ripper. What was that inspired that's by? Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite murderers ever, <laughs> Paul Bernardo, <laughs> murdering tracks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my goodness Vishnu aka no problem thank you so much for joining us as always I'm Chris aka Chris aka not Chris aka the Thumb Hemingway aka Bashman side on a fight guy just get beat up aka Dr. Do Too Little aka Mr. Date you go with you as always I'm with Navek. it's Navek, aka Navek, aka Nadej aka <laughs> Tukak Shaper aka Nadiation <laughs> aka Little Boy aka I'm the one in the painting <laughs> that's a mystery <laughs> hopefully we figure that one out soon uh thanks again for joining us hope you guys enjoy this one everyone say bye on three one two three bye bye, bye.